Good. Me too. Beautiful morning this morning. Up before anyone else was, which is a challenge in my house. I've got one boy who's up very, very early in the morning usually, but that's starting to shift. And so I was alone out on the deck today, this morning, and it was, it was very, very nice, very good. Well, on this uh, journey uh, through the Ten Commandments, we come today to commandment number five, which is honor your mother and father. It is the first commandment of what is known as the second table or part two of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Throughout uh, the centuries, theologians have talked about the Ten Commandments as uh, part one and part two or table one and table two. The Heidelberg Catechism describes it this way. How are these Ten Commandments divided? Into two tables. The first has four commandments, teaching us how we ought to live in relation to God. The second has six commandments, teaching us what we owe our neighbor. And so these first four commandments really focus on our vertical relationship with Christ. Of course, our relations with one another are hugely important. But if we want to relate rightly to our spouse or our children, the first thing that we need to do is, is be right with God. Uh, we, we, we need to know that he is the Lord and that there is no other in our life. We might think that we should be going to a marriage book or a parenting book first, but we really need to make sure that Christ is preeminent in our lives. What the the book of Colossians tells us. So looking back from the perspective of the New Testament, we shouldn't be surprised at all at these first four commandments orienting us vertically before God. It is important that we uh, take a rest. Um, It it is important that uh, that we are cautious with our words, commandment three and and commandment four and and reverse uh, order there. It is important uh, as a parent that my kids see me um, resting uh, weekly and and, and gathering with God's people to worship. It's also important that they see me uh, each day resting and spending time uh, with the Lord in prayer and in the Word. So these first four commandments are, are foundational and important as we move into the second table Uh, of the law, these commandments that help us to relate to one uh, another. uh, One of my uh, seminary professors uh, writes this in his commentary. He says, a child's honor and obedience to the parents is the first important step in learning to honor and obey God. So it's not surprising that this first commandment in the second table deals with honoring parents. The first authority, the first opportunity to obey that we have as as little ones is is with our parents and this prepares us for obedience and worship uh, of God. So what I want to do today is I want us to I want to ask and answer the question uh, what does Christ ask of you through this fifth commandment no matter where you are whatever stage of life you're in 
Maybe you're a, a child and you're living it at home, and, and it's pretty obvious in some ways how this commandment uh, would apply to you, how Christ would have you live this commandment out. But I think this commandment is also to be lived out even if you are near the end of life and your parents are already uh, gone into eternity. How is it that you live this commandment out? We're going to answer those questions today uh, as we get into God's word. Uh, I want to pray one more time before uh, we get into his word. So will you bow your heads with me and pray? Father in heaven, uh, we thank you again for the word. I pray that it would go forth in power today. Lord, I pray that texts like this that are so familiar to us that we think, what, what does this have to do with me if I'm not a child? Lord, I pray that you'd free us from that. Your word tells us that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. And so I ask that the Holy Spirit would do above and beyond what I could ask or imagine. Lord, we come from a variety of places today, and I pray that your word would speak into the places where we are and that you would change us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look uh, carefully at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, this uh, fifth commandment. I'm reading, um, reading from the NIV, Exodus 20 and verse 12. Uh, honor your father and honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So start off here briefly with this word honor. Uh, another way to uh, understand this uh, w- would be to show respect, uh, to show care, to prize your parents, uh, to think of them as 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 weighty as, as important. Uh, to honor your father and your mother. And then the second part of this commandment, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God uh, is giving you. Uh, We have to remember at any time we're reading the Bible, the historical context of the original audience. Just to remind you where we are is we're not only going journeying through the Ten Commandments, but we're journeying through the book of Exodus. And God has delivered his people from bondage from slavery in Egypt, and he has brought them uh, to the mountain here with thunder and lightning and smoke, and he is delivering to them the law. And we are in what we could call the preamble to their law or the introduction. We're not into the penal code. There's no consequences here. In these Ten Commandments, it doesn't say, all right, if this is what happens, Israelites, if, if this commandment is broken, here's what you need to do. Those details are coming in what we might call the penal code as we work our way through Exodus. But we're here at, um, at this foundational preamble part of the law. And the second part of this commandment, in, in, as we look at it in that context, is, is showing that there are both individual and national, social, communal implications. Honoring your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. He is about to give the Israelites this land. And if they are to stay and to live long in this land, they need to be obedient people to God and to his word and to their parents. One uh, commentator, the translator, is actually of the Net Bible. They write this. They say the land that was promised 
was the land of Canaan. And the duration of Israel in the land was to be based on morality and the fear of God as expressed in the home. The captivity, captivity of the nation of Israel that would happen later, the captivity was in part caused by a breakdown in this area. Malachi would announce at the end of his book that Elijah would come at the end of the age to turn the hearts of the children and the parents toward each other again. So we see this is a foundational thing for for individuals, individual Israelites, this commandment. And this is foundational for them to stay in this land that God is bringing them to. One of the things I mentioned a few weeks ago as we read the Old Testament and particularly as we read laws of the Old Testament is that we should ask ourselves the question, is this commandment repeated in the New Testament? Or is this commandment repealed in the New Testament, like some of the, diet, like the dietary laws that come later and other things are? These are important questions for us to ask as we read Old Testament law. The fifth commandment, of course, is found in many places in the New Testament. I want us to take a look at one of them here on the screen in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's writing here, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now if you notice here, Paul, there's somewhat of a covenantal shift in the second part of this commandment from Exodus 20.12 to Ephesians Six. In Exodus 12, again, uh, Exodus 20 and verse 12, uh, it says, So that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you, and here, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And so we see, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, somewhat of a, a shift in the second part of this commandment. We are not Israelites. We're not going into this land of Canaan. The church today is made up of people of every tribe and tongue and nation. And we are called to go to the ends of the earth. And so what we have here in Ephesians 6 is a statement, a general truth. This this isn't saying that if you honor your parents that you're automatically going to live to be 80 years old. That's not the intent of of this passage. It's a general truth. Truth, saying that if you honor your mother and father, that you will likely gain, that will be a sign of wisdom. And in general, uh, you're not going to get hit by the bus when you're a kid because you've learned to obey your parents. And in general, you're going to have a long life if you honor God and honor his commandments. So we see this commandment repeated here and in a variety of places uh, in the New Testament. I want to give us, um, before we get into how we are to live out this commandment, I want to give us a couple rules for interpreting all of the commandments here. And this could be a little boring, so I want to just like do a check and make sure you're awake. Are you awake out there today? Okay. So a couple helps, a couple rules right here. Are you awake, Jason? Okay. A couple rules to make sure, uh, to, to help us understand and interpret the Ten Commandments. Uh, the first one is that each of the Ten Commandments is positive and negative. If we notice here, verse 12, Commandment 5, is stated positively. 
honor your father and mother. All the rest of the commandments follow this, this pattern of prohibition, thou shalt not, to use the King James, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. And what I'm saying here is that each of the Ten Commandments, regardless of how they are written, whether they're written positively like the fifth or negative like those that are following, each of the Ten Commandments is positive and negative. Uh, One commentator writes this to explain it. He says, where a sin is forbidden, the corresponding duty is required. And where a duty is required, the corresponding sin is forbidden. The true intent of each commandment is to tell us what to do as well as what not to do. So in other words, those latter commandments, uh, we are not, We are not hitting the mark, as it were. We are not fulfilling the intent of those commandments if we simply avoid the thing that is prohibited. It is not just avoiding murder that God is after. It is not just uh, avoiding stealing that he's after. He's after more than that. He's after us doing things that are right as well. So you got this, uh, this first rule? You got this first rule? I'm putting you to sleep. Okay. Uh, let me give you an example of it here in Romans 13, okay? Let no, de- let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in this one rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I put this quote in yellow here at the bottom because Paul is actually quoting Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself, to show the positive aspect of these negative commandments, these prohibitions. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. So what God is after is much more than just what is exactly written in the commandment. So that's, that's the first rule. The second rule I want to mention is that each of the Ten Commandments is categorical. Each of the Ten Commandments is categorical. And what I mean by this, an example, look at Matthew 5 on the screen. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. This is Jesus speaking. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Jesus is saying here that this commandment is not just about avoiding murder, but it is also about anger, and it is much broader, it is more categorical, it is more comprehensive than just this specific thing that that it is written about. And this is something that we see across the Testaments, that God is concerned not just with our outward behavior or with appearances, But he's concerned with our hearts. He's concerned with our minds that our obedience begins with a love from God and it comes from our hearts. We see this. We see God's concern for our hearts in the selection uh, of of a king. You're familiar with the story. Many of you as as uh, in first Samuel chapter 16, as the Lord is showing uh, Samuel who is going to be king, and the sons of Jesse are coming out uh, before him. Uh, verse, six, uh, verse 6, it says this, Then it came about when they entered, these sons, that he, Samuel, looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Whether our God is choosing who's going to be king, or whether he is looking at your heart or looking at my heart in regard to the commandments, uh, he is looking not just for outward behavior. He is not just looking for us to avoid uh, these uh, commandments that are prohibitions, but he's looking for us to have hearts of love and honor. So how or what does Christ ask of you through the fifth commandment? What does he ask of you? And I want to kind of go through the spectrum here age-wise. So we'll begin with kids. What does he ask of you? We could have a million of these. I'm going to have four and, and spend quite a bit of time on the last one. So what does Christ ask of you through the fifth commandment? Children, first thing I want to say to you is he's, he's looking for simple obedience. Simple obedience. So what do I mean by simple obedience? I'll give you a picture of what I mean. One of the uh, chores that we have in our home is lawn patrol. Okay? I'm not going to go into details, but we've got two big dogs. Okay? One of our chores is lawn patrol. And when I say to one of my boys, remind them to uh, do lawn patrol, particularly if we've got people coming over who are going to be enjoying our lawn, it's an important thing that, 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 this gets, uh, that this gets done. And so let's talk about responses, potential responses, when one is reminded to do lawn patrol. Uh, here's, a, here's a potential first response. Uh, I have homework to do, Okay. <laughs> I've got something more important to do. Instead of saying no, we don't just say no. We say I've got something, something of a higher priority that I need to do. I've got homework. Uh, another potential response would be to uh, change this into a social justice discussion. Because in our home, uh, it's the boys that have this job and not the sister. And so, Dad, why is it that you would make us do this and she doesn't have to? And so we have a discussion about uh, imperfect uh, parenting and justice. Uh, we have any other imperfect parents out there? In all seriousness, kids, let me remind you uh, at this moment that we are all imperfect and in some ways, unjust parents. There is only one perfectly just parent. And God is asking all of us to honor our unjust, at times, imperfect parents. That's the kind of parents I had. It's the kind of parents my kids have. Not necessarily in this area, but in, but in, in, other, in other areas. So God is asking kids, you to honor your parents even though they're not perfect. So the first way uh, to go around this is I've got something better to do. A second way is let's have a discussion. This is, this is uh, unjust. A third way to go, uh, you know, why did we get dogs anyway? Um, why, why, do we, why do we have these large creatures? And why don't we let them in our woods instead of in this area back here? 
We, we, we could have, I could go on and on in the list, and I won't, and I won't do that. Uh, what happened last night, this is true. So it sounds like a setup, but this is actually true. So Gracie and I last night are playing soccer on our lawn out front. And there was an item that was missed uh, yesterday uh, as we're playing. And so, you know, I, whose day is it to do lawn patrol today? I holler out. And uh, that, that boy who will remain anonymous, uh, his name gets mentioned to me. And I said, hey, would you uh, come and get this? And, you know, he just went and grabbed a shovel, and he just came right out. Just simple obedience. Uh, how do we, what does Christ ask of you kids uh, through the fifth commandment? He is asking for just simple obedience without delay, without excuse, without discussions, just simple obedience. So let's move forward to uh, teens here, teenagers. What does Christ ask of you through the fifth commandment? And these obviously overlap. Uh, the, the thing for kids applies for teens. The thing for ten- teens applies for kids. But as I think of teenagers, what does Christ ask of you in the fifth commandment? One of the things he would ask is that you would be applying truths, and I'm thinking of truths that you would have learned from the Word of God through your mother and father, that you would be applying those truths on your own as you venture out into life and as you um, experience lots of things in life without your mom and dad around. One of the things that we see in the Scriptures very clearly is God's compassion for uh, the vulnerable, for the weak, for the orphan, the widow, the poor, uh, the immigrant. And this translates uh, to the teenage environment, especially the kind of social structures that that exist uh, in the the midst of teenagers. Uh, They're not widows or orphans, but we have a lot of needy teenagers out there. I have in my mind the picture of, uh, you know, uh, the different groups on a high school campus. And you got the different groups uh, sitting together at lunchtime. You know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, say yes here. You know what I'm talking about? You got these different groups. It could be college, high school, whatever. And, and, and a way that a teenager could honor this fifth commandment, applying this on their own, uh, turning around with the, with the lunch tray or, or walking into the cafeteria and seeing all the various groups. But there over on the side is that, is that one kid who, uh, who nobody really wants to hang out with, you know, doesn't really have a group uh, to hang out with. Uh, that, that, that teenager that instead of hanging out with his, with his friends or his group goes over and sits with that kid who isn't easy to love, and, and, and is loved and is just, in, just enjoy a meal with that kid. This is a way that you, teenagers, could honor the fifth commandment is by living out what you've been taught through the word of God, through your parents, when you're out in the world. You don't even need to tell mom and dad. This is a way to honor the fifth commandment. Let's shift gears uh, to adults here. And I'm thinking especially of adults for whom it is difficult to honor your parents. Um, For some of us, it is very difficult to honor our mother or father. There may have been abuse. There may have been abandonment. There may have been 
neglect. There may have been a variety of things. How do we honor our our parents uh, in that situation? And this is possible even if your parents are gone into eternity. And what I'm saying here is that we should honor our parents as far as conscience allows. That we should ask the Lord not to lie, not to ignore, but as far as conscience allows, you know that your mother or father, through all of their pain that may have been brought into your life, that they love you, that they wanted to love you. And so as far as conscience allows, this is, this is the way to go. Lord, help me to honor my mother and father or the memory of my mother and, and father in the way that I live and the way that I speak about them. Help to bring to mind those areas of life where I saw that they, that they loved me, where they cared for me. As far as conscience allows, uh, honor uh, your parents. Another way for adults to honor and live out this fifth commandment is caring for them during the last years of life. Caring for parents in the last years of life. James, uh, James writes this, or excuse me, Paul writes this, 1 Timothy 5.8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is a zinger here. So this fifth commandment is relevant not only to children, but it is relevant to adults. We honor our parents uh, by caring for them, caring for them, especially in the last years of life, and that can happen in a variety of ways. And I think the most powerful example of the fifth commandment being lived out is actually by Jesus. And I'd like you to turn to John chapter 19. And we'll finish up our last few minutes looking at this passage. John chapter 19. We're going, yes, to the crucifixion of Jesus. In verse 1, we read of Pilate taking him and having him flogged. Verse 2, the soldiers twisting together a crown of thorns, putting it on his head. They've clothed him in this purple robe. They are going to mock him. They are shouting at him. We're not going to go through the entire chapter, but I just want to set the setting. There are these soldiers that are there. We're told in verse 23 that there are four of them. There are four unbelieving soldiers who mock Jesus. Jesus is about to take the wrath of God upon himself in our place. He is about to save the world. This is what he came to do. And so it is stunning what he does in verse 25. This is, I think, the greatest expression, the clearest example of living out the fifth commandment. Look at verse 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Let's pause here for a moment. Jesus is on the cross. 
nails in the hands, nails in his feet. He is absorbing the wrath of God, propitiating the wrath of God. What is on his mind? These four women are there. His mother, Mary, his mother's sister, who is Salome, James and John's mother, the author of the Gospel, John, who is also there at the cross, the one who gives us this account. We have Mary, Salome, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. We have these four women. And just earlier in the chapter, we have this paralleled with these four unbelieving soldiers. John's one of the few Gospels that tells us, he has this explicit purpose statement, I write these things so that you would believe. And so John, this amazing piece of literature, the Gospel of John, has these four unbelieving soldiers on one side and these four believing women uh, on the other. And in between here, what this uh, great piece of literature is saying to us, this scripture, this spirit-inspired scripture, is is, is which which side are, are you on here? Are you with the women or are you with the soldiers? He's on the cross. Verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, this is how John refers to himself, never refers to himself by name. Verse 26, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, dear woman, Here is your son. And to the disciple, to John, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. That blows me away. That just blows me away. That he is on the cross and he is assigning care to his mother. He's thinking of his mother the next day and the next week and the next month. He assigns care of his mother to this disciple that he was really tight with, the beloved disciple, John. It's an argument from silence or an argument from ignorance, but church tradition tells us, the scriptures don't say it, um, uh, Joseph's, Joseph's most likely dead here. Joseph's gone at some point and probably been gone for some time. So Mary is a widow. And Jesus hands Mary over his mother to not his brothers, but to this beloved disciple. And again, the careful reader of John's gospel will see back in chapter 7 that Jesus' own brothers did not believe in him. At this point, his own brothers did not believe in him. So Jesus is blowing aside every custom of his day and of our day today, uh, customs of our day as well. He's not assigning his mother to family, but to the family of God. You know what it's like to be closer to Christian brothers and sisters than, than to your own family? Do you know what that's like? Massive implications from what's going on here. Jesus is displaying how to love 
how to live out the fifth commandment here and how to care for our parents, how to honor one's mother. John uh, Barclay writes this. He says, There is something infinitely moving in the fact that Jesus, in the agony of the cross, in the moment when the salvation of the world hung in the balance, thought of the loneliness of his mother in the days when he was taken away. Jesus never forgot the duties that lay to his hand. This fifth commandment is for all of us. It's for kids in the home. It's for us in our last years of life. It's even for Jesus who's going before his mother. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. We thank you for our parents who are imperfect and who are sinful. Thank you for your word that tells us that authority, like the authority of our parents, is to be honored even though it is done in an imperfect way. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would be helping each of us to know how to honor our mother and father, whether we live with them in the home or whether they're long gone. We pray that we would be honoring them and that we would bring bring glory to Christ through that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.